Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 941, air date April 27th, 2021. This is Patrick Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Adre. I'm going to be doing an interview with Patrick here. So uh, we're going to be talking about the importance of why we need to build a movement that's an, about working people uniting. And it's really the only path to truth, freedom and health. That's what we're going to talk about. And, uh, you know, May Day is coming up on May 1st. So I'll be reviewing uh, what that is about in this interview uh, with Patrick. So uh, I hope this is valuable because I think it's extremely important to people to have a historical context of what's taking place, because without that historical context, it's very hard for people to see what the direction forward is. So let's wait for people to join. And uh, so people are coming in. So let's uh, wait until everyone joins. Okay, good to see everyone. I know it's right in the middle of the day. And so typically I don't do these in the middle of the day, but we'll wait for people to join. So good, let's see what's going on here. So good evening, or good after, good morning, everyone. Good to have you. Let me just bring in. I'm going to be doing an interview. Um, so I'm going to uh, bring in what I have here. Just be patient here. actually invented email so you know when you clean out your email box every day you just blame him blame him he has four degrees from mit wow four degrees in mit system scientist he's a full by bright scholar uh mit awards finalist um he actually got a uh, uh recognized him as the inventor of email the government did with the copyright he goes back to his early youth with his interest in natural healing with his family mom with Siddha in, in India. And uh, he gets around a lot. I believe he's still running for Senate again. again. Dr. Shiva, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Oops. I don't know why you're Oops. Good morning. not working. Good morning. How are you? Oh, there you are. I'm doing fine, sir. Are you, are you have an active Senate run uh, uh, no, in a mix right now? No. Uh, so, well, it's active in the sense that I did not uh, uh, concede my election in uh, 2020 because of the duplicity that we discovered. We are the only ones who have two um, cases that are active in federal court that have not been thrown out. And I'm representing myself. We have actually gotten about four or five victories in that case. So that's what's going on. So we, you know, we ran a very incredible primary race. We had uh, thousands of volunteers on the ground and the Republican establishment was so afraid that I was going to perturb their um, agreement that they had with the Democrats that they ran an idiot to run against me who had no uh, campaign, nothing. And we knew we'd won. And that's when I got involved in really understanding the dynamics of election integrity in the United States. Yes, sir. Yeah. Have you been able to show that they actually fiddled with the computers as what yeah happened. yeah that's what we did have you been able to prove that yeah so we well what we've shown we have two lawsuits that are in federal court the first lawsuit 
is um, a lawsuit which exposes the fact that the government con contacted Twitter and had me thrown off Twitter when I exposed the fact that they deleted what are called ballot images, which cannot be, um, you know, deleted by federal law. And so that lawsuit, we have three victories on it so far in the sense that the judge agreed to the hearing. Second thing is he gave us the terms of the restraining order against the Secretary of State. And third is he's also now wants us to bring in Twitter into that lawsuit. So that's quite remarkable. And I'm representing myself. In the second lawsuit, we, so, in the second lawsuit, yeah, we so, showed mathematically that my votes were multiplied by two thirds. Um, wow. And that's important because um, no one has rebutted our mathematical analysis in that lawsuit. So that's the second lawsuit. Unlike all of Trump's, which were thrown out of court where he had, where he supposedly paid lawyers to do this. So our lawsuits are founded on something very um, real. And that's why we've, we've gotten multiple victories. And the judge in the case is also a judge who took on Whitey Bulger, who was one of the biggest mafia guys in Massachusetts. And so I don't think he's afraid. So we'll see what happens. You know, so far things are going yes, well. Excellent. But, so this is a big step to for them just to not, not to be in the situation where they say we're not going to hear it like they did with Trump, right? That you're in, you're in the game with this. Not only we're in the game, they the attempted, game. yeah. So first of all, they gave us a hearing. They gave us a victory by giving us a terms of a restraining order. The judge got very interested in the fact, remember, this is not Twitter threw me off Twitter in the first case. It was a government of Massachusetts contacted Twitter to throw me off because I was exposing the fact they violated federal law. So that's not, that's fascism, okay? And you just notice that yes, in sir. India, the government contacted Twitter uh, because the government didn't like people posting stuff exposing, you know, whatever the Indian government is up to. And Twitter also complied. So the point that we're making, which is very different than Section 230, is that Twitter is an agent of the government. Big tech doesn't act on its own. It, it, it acts at the behest of government. So there's been all this stuff against big tech, big tech, big tech. But we need to understand that both Republicans and Democrats need big tech. They need big pharma. They need big banks. They need big um, institutions because that's how they uh, not only wield their power, but that's how they exercise control for those people. So they're one. You know, yes, sir. So this is yes, something sir. that's not fully understood because the media always tries to make it some you know, big tech sort of does things on their own. But I, I think one of the most important things to understand is that, you know, May 1st is coming, which is International Workers' Day. And I think, you know, in this context, I think what's good to potentially for your audience and to inspire people is that when you look at the arc of human history, people, um, those in power always try to try to demoralize people with this worldwide wrestling federation model that they run the left and the right. You know, they let a black guy win once Obama because so he could be the hope for working people. Then they let a white guy Trump win where he, he did a bunch of sloganeering, right? Lock her up and make America great again. And his, both of the, the establishment needs Trump. They need Obama. They need Bernie. They need Ted Cruz and all these people. It's a way of keeping people in the theater of the Worldwide Wrestling Federation of, of left and right. Um, but I think one of the most important things to understand is what does May 1st mean? I, I'm not sure, Patrick, if you know where May 1st, where International Workers Day originated. Uh, was, it, was it Russia? Was it? 
Maybe the Bolshevik, no? No, so let's, let's, it's, it's great. So, uh, by the way, everyone listening on my end here, I'm, I'm um, doing an interview with Patrick um, uh, from, and what we're talking about is, look, where did May 1st originate from? So when people think about International Workers' Day, in every other part of the world, except the United States, it's a day off. It's sort of the worldwide Labor Day. And it started in America. Okay, let me repeat that. International Workers' Day has its origins in America. And this is where we need to get very real, if we're serious, about changing the world in a positive way. The left and the right have colluded against working people since about the mid-90s, starting in the, in the, the pinnacle of it was in the 50s and the 70s, to ensure that um, any time you say working people unite, that must mean that it's communist or socialist or Marxist, okay? But this is a, the reality of what took place. In the mid 1800s, there was what was called, and anyone can Google this, look up great upheaval. What great upheaval was that working people across the United States were rising up. Um, the elites felt that there was gonna be a revolution in this country, okay? They thought that there was gonna be a revolution in this country. And by the late 1800s, working people are mobilized, bottoms up, decentralized movement. And so, for example, in 1886, it was one of the um, uh, biggest marches for the eight-hour workday in Chicago, Haymarket, Chicago. So it was a, a, about three to four days of events. In On May 3rd, 1886, four workers, after an incident that took place with the police, were hanged. Four worker, American workers were hanged uh, for you know, fighting for the rights of the eight hour workday. And every other worker throughout the world was watching that. And in commemoration of those workers who were hanged, by the way, two years later after they're hanging, the governor said this was a worst travesty of justice. There's no reason they didn't cause the violence that was purported, it was all made up. And, um, but in commemoration of those four American workers on May, 1886, Everyone in the world declared it as International Workers' Day, May 1st, okay? Except America. When Eisenhower got into office, he changed it to Loyalty Day, loyalty to the establishment. Reagan made it Law Day. So this is what needs to be emphasized. Now, why is, so it's almost like the elites put a bubble over America, a propaganda bubble, to make sure Everyone in America thought whenever you use the word working people unite, that must be Marxist, communist, socialist. But when you really look back at it, it was the American working people rose up and they were all different backgrounds, left, right, you know, anarchists, uh, unionists in, the, in those early movements. And by the early 1900s, those movements had become so powerful that the elites in this country were afraid of a revolution was going to take place, literally. So when the depression hit, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was a racist and elitist, he wasn't a nice guy, a gun was put to their heads by this emergent, very powerful movement. And so in response to that, out of the elites, out of their fear, through reforms, they said, okay, we'll give you the eight hour workday, we'll eliminate child labor, fine, we'll give you highways, we'll give you roads, we'll give you sanitation, we'll clean up your water, they were scared of a, of a complete thing that was gonna to topple them. Every gain we have today in America did not come from Franklin Delano Roosevelt, did not come from a Republican or a Democrat. 
It came from people's names we do not know, American working people who fought bottoms up, particularly women. In the mid-1800s, women were rising up everywhere. So it was the rise of real trade unions at the time, true trade unions that were representing workers. So if you look at all the gains we got during that period, during 1900 to 1940, right, that the elites were forced to give, it wasn't Franklin Delano Roosevelt. It wasn't the New Deal. It was the fear that there, that there was going to be a revolution in this country of working people seizing power. That's what actually took place. Now, all of that's been wiped out of American history. But it was that ups, upsurgence that resulted in the biggest growth in the American economy between 1945 to 1975. You had an explosive growth in the American economy. Okay? So 1945 to 1975, GDP grew per capita, which means if you looked at the overall growth and you divide it by every person, that growth percentage grew year over year. And economically, every American in every sector's income grew. So the American pride grew equally for everyone. But 45 to 75, that's why you know immigrants wanted to come to America like my parents during that period. It was the biggest boom for the American economy because the American working people during that early period fought for infrastructure, public health. If you look at 1963, by the time the measles immunizations jabs came, 15 years before that, most of measles was completely gone, okay? 15 years before that because of public health infrastructure, sanitation, the plumber and the sanitation worker did more for public health than did the pharmacist or the doctor by 1963. Sure. So that's so the economics. So, yeah. so the the so this whole time it's it's the it's the people you're you're arguing the people that are pushing the politicians forward uh, that that gets things happening. Uh, uh, other you know not just people getting in power and want to do nice things for us. Well, I, I'm saying yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. What I'm saying specifically also is the fact that. It is actually what actually took place was there was a deliberate movement of a decentralized movement of the American working people. Now, it gets even more interesting when you layer this fact in. The elites were so pissed off that they had to give these workers all of these concessions. They were really angry. So they regrouped themselves in the night starting in the 50s and peaking in the 70s. And what did they do? They basically left and right particularly starting with the right wing, they branded any time you use the word working people unite. I mean, Karl Marx used it, workers of the world unite, but he doesn't own that, okay? You know, that concept goes back to slave times thousands of years ago, okay? Working people uniting. But anytime you use that word working people unite, they that means a bottoms up movement, they branded that with capital C communism, okay? With the Soviet Union. Communism. Capital C, okay? I mean, not the lowercase c. I mean, you can have a discussion with what the difference is, okay? But they associated with the Soviet Union. And that was the brainwashing that they did. So every American worker, when they, whenever they wanted to organize bottoms up, they said, oh, you're, you're, you must be working for Russia. And so that was the branding of everything as Marxist, socialist, da-da-da-da, right? Communist. So what happened? So they that was the way the right wing cut the knees off working people to organize bottoms up. So what they ended up doing 
the left took advantage of that along because you know, they're both two wings of the same bird and they organized top-down unions because they knew working people were going to do something so they funneled them into these top-down union boss mafia controlled unions top down okay so what you ended up having was by the 50s and 70s all the unions are top-down controlled uh and by the 70s you have no longer um people striking bottoms up and to give you the data on that if you look from 1945 to 1975 there's a wonderful graph which shows a bar chart for how many strikes that took place during that period okay let's say over those 30 years and it's typically around three million people on average participated in strikes that's close to 100 million people so during 1945 to 1975 when america had its biggest growth working people were very energized they were active they would strike they would demand their rights okay 19 starting in 1975 that curve goes down so over 1970 the top down because of the top down they were controlling yeah the so the unions basically yes so the yeah so the unions basically negotiated with big corporations struck deals and said oh we won't strike we'll make sure we'll suppress our own workers okay so you only had about maybe two to three million strike striking workers during that next 50 year period. It's quite amazing. So in 50 years, yeah. you only had like 2 million workers, but in the 50 years preceding that, or even the 30 years preceding that, you had a hundred million people strike. And what happened when, when working people like us, we stopped getting organized independently of the unions and stopped striking. You know what happened? The American pie split. So even though GDP continued to grow, you had two American pies, one for the 5%, their incomes grew by nearly 200% and the incomes of the other 95% actually shrunk by 50% to more 66%. So if you're making $50,000 a year today and you're in the 95%, you should actually be making about $120,000. So in 2018 alone, in just one year, according to a great set of calculations done by the Rand Corporation, just in that one year, about $2.7 trillion went from this American pie to this American pie. And in fact, we saw yes. it under Trump in the last year, right? What did we see? 600 billionaires doubled their wealth to, 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 to by $2.3 trillion. So all of this stuff is forgotten. We focus on ridiculous stuff like Tucker Carlson, who's a complete entertainer. He doesn't care about left or right. We focus on Chris Cuomo. We focus on Trump. Trump is just a con man, okay? I'm, I'm convinced, okay? I support him and gave him money. Jared Kushner was running the White House. That's what was really going on, all right? And what Trump did was, at the end of the day, he conned people, talking about lock her up. He didn't lock anyone up. Not one indictment against Hillary Clinton. Make America Great Again was to bring back the American working class who was starting to figure stuff out back into the wings of the right wing of the Democratic Party. Obama did it to keep them to the left wing, okay? So the establishment practices something, Patrick, called system science. In the 70s, starting in the 30s, uh, there is a science to understand the nature of systems. It's called system science. And so the establishment, they never wanted working people to rise up like that happened in the mid-1900s. So they organized their elites and they started figuring out behavior patterns of people, directionality where people are going. And one of the things that they're always constantly monitoring is the anger of working people. 
So when work can people get angry? Okay, let's try an Obama. He'll give them the hope speech. Okay, a black yeah. guy. Well, then that, that'll run its course over eight years. Okay, now let's try a, a white guy, Trump, and he'll bark whatever he wants to bark, right? Each work, the two wings of the establishment to keep people entertained, to suck them back in. And the only way forward, the only way when you look at history is to build a movement for truth, freedom and health bottoms up. And what I've contributed to that and what I'm contributing to that as a catalyst is we've created the platform to do that. When I say it's an innovation number and that innovation consists of three aspects. One is to educate people on system science. Now, someone like me, I went through all the MIT training. It's called systems theory. I've learned that over 33 years, but I've also advanced it by linking that system science to integrate it with Eastern and Western medicine. So in about an hour to two hours, I can teach people, you know, 50 years worth of knowledge. So they don't um, have to go to MIT in a period. So we, so that's the first educational process. Second is we want to educate people on community, which is once you learn these very, very important concepts, what happens is people then need to build community because your political consciousness raises. The science that I teach people, system science, and every Monday evenings I do it, but when people learn this, their political consciousness raises because this scientific understanding you can use to understand your body as a system, you can use it to understand a political system, you can use it to understand anything, your computer as a system. It's a science of everything. But without that science, there will be no movement. People will continually get fooled because what that science teaches people is three principles. Number one, the interrelationship between truth, freedom, and health. Truth, freedom, and health is not a slogan. It's directly related to system science. Truth, freedom, and health directly relates to the concepts of movement of energy, information, and matter, which is what freedom comes from. Second is a conversion of information, matter, and energy, which is what truth is, where you take an idea and you apply the scientific method to find out if it's right or wrong. Then health is the infrastructure, the structural aspect, which contains anything in the universe. Well, without your personal health, you can't fight for truth or freedom. So that's the first principle. Second principle is system science teaches us that everything in the universe, there is no centered anything in the universe. Everything is decentralized. This is why we need to build a bottoms-up movement. The notion of voting for Trump or Bernie or left or right is so adolescent. It's like being a kindergartner. And that's the level of political consciousness that they want to keep to. So I have very little patience for people to say, oh, what do you think about Trump or what do you think about Bernie? It's like you're living, you're a kindergartner, okay? And if you want to play in the major leagues and if we're going to win, we have to raise our political understanding from where it's at at the kindergarten level up to a PhD level. And that comes with the understanding of system science. The establishment, those in power, understand system science. There's probably about 5,000 people in the world who understand it. And the science... But, uh, let me interrupt a second. When you say when you're going to win, if, you know, I don't, what do you mean by that? Because if we understand what you're saying, and there's many of our audience that are pretty up to date with this whole you know, scam that's going on with COVID and with the election with left and right, a lot of our listeners are. We've talked about it. But if we just take care of our food, take care of our health, and hold our nose and pay our taxes, we win, Doc, don't we? Because we don't need to do anything else. Because these people, they're not going to change. You know, well, the system, as you're, as you're, you know, it's as swampy as it gets. Don't we win? We take care of ourselves, take care of our family, take care of our food, take care of our health. 
the only thing we have to do is pay our taxes. That's it. And we're done. Well, I don't, yeah. So, so, so don't we win? No, you don't. don't. We win? No, you don't. Let me tell you why. Okay. Um, so there's two, okay. there's two models to look at this. One model is the following. Okay. One model, um, at a, at a, at a point in life, everyone either implicitly or explicitly makes a decision. Okay. And that decision is the following. Do you want to, you accept the way the world is, or do you want to change it? Okay. First decision in a decision tree. If you accept the way the world that it is, people say, well, I'm going to go off the grid. I'm going to go live in my little farm. I'm going to just go, you know, keep my little garden and everything's going to be fine. Right? Well, that's one possible. The other is you say you want to change the world. And at that point, you come to a fork in the road. How are you going to change it? Which means you accept the existing political infrastructure and you're going to work within that system. Right? The other is you're going to build a very different approach. And that led over the last 200 to 200 to 300 years, people doing all sorts of philosophy, anarcho-syndicalism, right? The concept of a workers' collectives, a libertarianism. And you can go down the list, all these different political philosophies. But when you take a deep look at that and you study it, you have to study it like an engineer or a scientist. You can find out that the only things that have ever worked in that realm have been when people organized decentrally and independently. That's why I gave the example of the 1900s. Now, if you think someone can live in their own little thing, well, I'm going to take care of my food, I'm going to do this and that's going to happen. Well, it's, it's not because that's under a false assumption that everyone lives in little cocoons. The, the reality is we live in the 21st century. Everything is intimately connected now. Supply chains, food chains, so many things have been so interconnected that you cannot escape the concept of, well, I'm going to go live in my little haven over here off the grid. Well, you know, you have stuff falling out of the sky, okay? The the realm of government and the monopolization of capital since 1970 has become so profound at every level. Um, you have three companies which control all communications right now, Google, Facebook, yes. Twitter. You have three pharma companies which control the narrative on medicine. You have another three company, uh, big insurance companies who control health. So you go down the list. It's not like you can escape from any of this anymore. It's actually a erroneous assumption. The issue is how do we deliberately build a movement? And this has also been, people have been brainwashed into thinking, oh, things just happen. You pray to God and something happens, right? It's not true. Everything that we see around us is organized. You know, the conversation we're having today would not be possible unless someone deliberately d decided to create something called a computer and, and until we deliberately created, you know, um, you know, the Internet. Right. Everything we have came out of human thought, organized human thought into a very deliberate model. So instead of wanting to acknowledge that and realize that you can't be lazy about this, people want to sort of think there's some mysticism that's going to make all this happen. The reality is there is a science to how to build a movement, no different than there is a science about how to build a bridge or how to build an iPhone or how to build anything in life, right? Even to make a nice food, right? Recipe, you can sort of try to wing it, but there are certain things that you, you learn over time that work and that don't. And without- and What do you want this movement to do? What do you, what do you want? this movement what's not what i change the government or well let's talk know, about I mean, what, that it's, what it's, would this movement what would their what would their goal be this movement you're talking well about? let me ask you a question okay yes sir 
Um, forget about what I want to do. Let me ask you a question. How do you restore your body's health? There is a natural. I do it every day by by what I think, what I believe, what I eat, what my exercise, uh, a lot of things. Right. So what are you trying to do? You're trying to do what? You're trying to restore your body to what? You're trying to restore your well, body. I was to... always trying to make balance. So I just pretty much let it go and it's doing fine. You know, I'm working on 75 years old. Right. So the the reality is the body has a natural homeostasis. Okay. Yes, so sir. when you support when you support the body to be in its natural system state, it has the ability to heal itself. Okay. Well, yes, if, so if you just take exactly. that, so if you take that concept, every system in the universe, and this is what systems science teaches us, has a natural set point, okay, or a homeostasis. And when the system is in its set point, it knows how to manage itself, okay? So when it goes, so you have a particular set point in the Indian system of medicine, they called it your prakriti or, or my prakriti. I call it your natural system state, all right? Uh, a Ferrari likes to move. It has a certain set of characteristics versus an SUV. A F-15 fighter plane is a very different system than a C-30 cargo plane, right? They're designed for very different things. So the issue is if you understand that this concept that the universe has particular governing principles. Well, what is the governing principle of existence? Well, what system science shows us is there are three governing principles. Movement of information, matter, and energy, which is called transport. Conversion of information, matter, and energy, which is called conversion, okay? And the ability to sustain all of this, so, you know, which is called the storage or the structural principle, transport, conversion, storage. This appears in everything. And, you know, this is what we need to understand. So when you take truth, freedom, and health, it's not something that I want. So it's a wrong question, Patrick. It's what does the universe want? The universe wants transport, conversion, storage. Freedom is the aspect of transport, which is exists whether you and I exist or not, which is movement. That's why when people say we want freedom, they mean we want to be in resonance with the principle of transport, the principle of movement of information, matter, and energy. Well, if you start having yes. if you start having passports to control people, well, that means people can't move. If you start uh, censoring people online, which means information can't move, right? So matter can't move, information can't move, so on, right? So that's one principle. So freedom is something not what I want. It is it is it is uh, essential to it is well, in in, in resonance to everything, right? What's well, it's, yeah. it's in yeah. resonance to this principle of transport. The second thing is the universe likes to take things in one form and convert it to another form, okay? The, your digestion does. You eat something, a piece of you know, matter, your body digests it. That's a principle of conversion to get energy. Your, your CPU does that on your computer. It takes information one and one and it converts it to the number two, you see? Cognition. So there are these processes called conversion. Well, truth, is a process of conversion, meaning you take ideas and you debate it out with freedom. Well, I think the sun is the center of the universe. No, I think the earth is, right? And people, people had this argument, right? Well, uh, Galileo won that. I mean, he was vilified for saying that the earth is not the center, okay? You know, 97% of the people were forced to think that the sun uh, revolved around the earth. What well, doesn't matter what your opinion is, because science is science. Opinions don't matter in that sense, okay? But through that argumentation, that debate, now we all acknowledge, unfortunately, it was only 
I think 300 years later, the Catholic Church in 1994 said they were sorry for what they did to Galileo in 1600s. True, true. Okay, they it was took them 300 years to acknowledge that mistake. So, but the point is, it is out of practicing the scientific method that we can come to something called truth, conversion process. But you cannot get to truth or freedom without this structural aspect. Well, that structural aspect is health, the health of your physical body, the health of your economy. So the movement that we're catalyzing through the platform at BASHIVA.com is number one, to educate people on these principles. Because right now, people have been made ignorant by an establishment which does not want people to have truth, freedom, or health. So everything sure. is very nebulous. Vote for Trump, vote for Bernie one year, vote for Obama, vote for this fool, okay? That's the distraction. It is the Maya, it is the illusion that is put forward every day as though Tucker Carlson is some intelligent being who thinks gets angry and stuff. No, he isn't, he's, he's an entertainer. He doesn't give a damn about everyday working people. So this understanding is what the goal is. The goal is not, oh, we're gonna do this and we're gonna get to paradise. No, the goal is the movement that we're building, the ends and the means are the same. The means is the movement and the end is the movement. There's no dichotomy here. So the goal is to move people to raise their political consciousness, not only their political consciousness, but their understanding from a systems approach. And when you have that, so, so that's the goal. So, yeah. So as, our, as spiritual beings, which we are in a body, our innate intelligence and tendency is to wanting to do things in our life that are good, that is good for the whole. It's good for the whole not just ourselves. I mean, well, that's why we're here, right? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, this is a very deeply personal question. Everyone has to go. I'm not gonna tell people why they're here. You know, everyone has to go through oh, well, their own journey. But You know what I'm saying? I mean, what else are we gonna do? Just eat pizza and ice cream and then well, die? I mean, come on, you know, you know, there's- Well, there's I, 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 yeah. To I, do something, you know, Well, I think, right? I, I think the essence of existence, right? You, if you believe we live in two states of non-existence, okay, that's one way of looking at it. But the issue is to focus, you know, we're here and now, okay? Uh, many times people try to focus on some other world after this, right? And this is a very convenient way that, that I think those in power, you know, uh, misdirect people so they don't look at Which the fact that- Which religions have done, right? Which yeah, that's what religions do. They, yeah, yeah that religions are used to manipulate people, not spirituality. Religions are used to manipulate people so they don't focus right. on the here and now. Or they, uh, you know, I gave a talk on Easter Sunday on the temple cleansing that Christ did. It's a very interesting phenomenon. Christ, Christ did. Yeah, I saw it on your website. Yeah, Christ did two temple cleansings, one in the early part of his ministry and one literally seven days before before he was crucified. Now, most 95 to 98% of Christian so-called religious folks, uh, leaders never wanna talk about the temple cleansing. They wanna write it off as an anomaly. Oh, well, you know, uh, you know well, you know, uh, you know they, they just wanna write it off. They don't want to think about it. But to me, you know, I've been a student of studying this for a long time. When you look at the temple cleansing, it was the essence of Christ's ministry, in my view. It is the inflection point. And if you go, when he first started, and you know, John talks about this, he went, first time he went to Jerusalem where he knocked over tables and did the same thing. And 
the person who was running that temple was Caiaphas. Okay, Caiaphas was the um, family, the guy who basically was running the Mall of America in Jerusalem. Right? They said, you know, so when people came into Jerusalem, they had to go buy pigeons inside the mall to sacrifice because people would sacrifice some animal. The poor folks could not afford a lamb or et cetera. And if they brought in their own birds, it wasn't allowed. It was like you had your certified birds that you had to buy internally. Okay. They were running a freaking business. It was money trading was going on. Right. And the Sadducees were running this business. Okay. The elites among the Jewish hierarchy. And so Christ pissed them off initially. And then What's fascinating to understand is the Pharisees then befriended Christ. They said, oh, and why do the Pharisees like Christ? Because the Sadducees, one Jewish group, was a competitor to the other Jewish group. These Pharisees who were running the local retail synagogues, okay? So in the next time Christ went in, at least the one that's documented in the temple cleansing, um, he, at by that time, he, he had figured out the Pharisees were also completely scumbags too, like the Sadducees. And he had pissed them off also. So by the time the second temple cleansing took place, he had created enemies among the Romans, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees. And after that second temple cleansing is when Christ, seven days later, he's crucified. And Caiaphas, the Pharisees, and the Romans all got together. Now, why is this important? Because... Yeah, I was just about to ask, what, what does this mean to us? What this means to us is that the here and now at that time was a reality that Christ, while on earth, was going after the, the complete bastardization of very fundamental teachings here and now. And he was exposing both aspects of what I call the not-so-obvious establishment. He was fighting for real things, Patrick, here and now also, okay? <laughs> His life was integrated within the outer worlds in here. What's happened for far too long is people who learn spirituality, yoga people, new age people. I find it frankly atrocious is because they think, oh, you just sit under a tree and you meditate and then you forget this life. No, if you, so a lot of the people who practice new age spirituality, telling people to move on to the next world are basically part in some ways of a misdirection because and most of those people don't even know what yoga and meditation is about. 99% of them don't. The true essence of existence was to look at how you treat people here and now. Okay. That's where spirituality starts and that's where it ends. If you happen to do yoga and meditation, great. Okay. But that's not the biomarker of, of whether you're a spiritual being. It's how you treat people here and now. That's what it's fundamentally coming to. And without discussing that, people want to always take it to some other quote unquote spiritual realm because it is a yes, way sir. to distract people from the here and now. The here and now is that 25% of people in the United States are unemployed. The here and now is 600 billionaires, 600 billionaires in 12 months doubled their wealth. Walmart, Amazon were kept open. Everyday working people who struggled for 30, 40 years, their businesses were gone overnight. And that was brought to you by a finite set of people who for 30 years have been profiting from, from driving interest rates low so they could take low interest loans and build bogus companies, including people like Jared Kushner. That's what's actually been going on. Well, Dr. Shiva, but you as well as I'm sure as anyone understands karma, 
real karma, how it works, that well, we've created all this. You and I have created these systems. We've created the government. It's all part of our experience. Um, so can it be also argued that uh, just to live gracefully as well as best we can in this government experience, um, you think it's our karma to try to change it, to change it, to overturn it? Uh, you know well, yeah, first of all, let's talk about the word karma. So what is the word karma? Right. The word karma is not, it. yeah, the word karma, Patrick, is not uh, good karma or bad karma. The actual- No, I understand. Okay, so, so what is karma? What is the definition of karma? I think it's just doing everything is karmic. You know, every, every well, motion karma, that we make is a karmic motion, every motion. Well, there's two words in karma, which, and most people don't know, there's karma and there's karma fall, okay? P-H-A-L. Their karma means right action. And karma fall is the fruits of action. So in, you should you should take the course. Cause and effect. Yeah, it's cause and effect. effect. So karma, but there's two words in karma. Karma, which is action and reaction. That's So karma is input and output in systems theory, okay? So yes, when I yes. when you look at the Indian systems of medicine, the yoga systems, you find a one-to-one -one connection between general systems theory, okay? So karma is not some spiritual term. It means, are you willing to take the right action? And right action elicits, elicits, elicits the right effect. It has nothing to do yes. with some etheric realm. It is about the actions that you take. The choices that you make will lead to particular results. You make bad choices, yes. you're going to get bad results. You think you're going to be healthy eating Dunkin' Donuts and eating donuts all day? Great, do that. And the fruits of that action will be, you're probably going to get type two diabetes. If you want to take the right action of thinking that the left and right Republican and Democrat are what's going to save you, you're going to end up with no change. If you think that the world is just about like chilling out and hanging out and things are just going to happen, well, you're going to end up with nothing. Okay. Nothing happens. So the dis karma is action. Karma fall is the fruits of action. So that's what karma actually is. Is it are you willing to be responsible for the actions you're going to take? Because if you're not going to be responsible, then you're going to be implicitly irresponsible for the actions you choose not to take. Okay. Yes, sir. So that's what. And then we see these forces that are teaching people to not be responsible for anything, you know, to give them money into universal basic income and whatever, right? Let's pay your student loans. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, the new Fed coin coming out, they're going to going to digitally in introduce people with stuff just because they need it, right? So it's the completely opposite of what you're saying, Dr. Shiva, completely opposite. Right. It makes people weaker. Right. So that's why it's very important people take uh, understand a system. There is no anchoring science or political theory people have to f give them the, you know, the North Star and how to navigate. And that's what I've created. So my journey, you know, as a growing up as a low caste untouchable in India, coming to the United States, being exposed to Eastern and Western medicine, uh, having gotten all those degrees at MIT, being an innovator, the biggest innovation that we have created is this educational understanding of system science. And anyone who is serious about changing the world needs to learn it because without that, they're not going to have any direction. Because, you know, in 1962, John Kennedy gave a very famous speech, I think 1961, to the National Academy of Sciences. And he said, you know, 
we have a conundrum in democracy right now. The, the, the world systems have become so complicated, right? So for anyone to have me make a decision, meaning he was pointing to himself, on which way to go on any particular issue, he goes, I can't make these decisions alone. I have to rely on you. And he was looking at these scientists. And he goes, this is a conundrum of democracy because that means a decision of billions of people rests on the shoulders of maybe five university professors at a couple of institutions. So think about the immense yes, power distillation that's taken place. And those, so, and what he was remark, remarking was that the problems have become very complicated because of the systems nature, transportation systems, the healthcare systems, weapon systems, the immune system, right? For someone to really understand this, you either have to go to MIT for 30 years to understand the immune system, right? Go to understand aeronautics for 50 years, right? But imagine if I could teach people a science that was so fundamental that you could understand any of these systems. Because without that understanding, there is no longer democracy anymore. That's what I'm talking about. In the modern world, we have to renew democracy with a different conscious understanding of how things work. You know, maybe when we had like, you know, you know, no complex environment, everyone could sort of understand things reasonably well. But we live in a world right now, 99% of the people don't even know how the healthcare system works. Most people don't even know how their iPhone works. They just use it, right? Most people don't even understand that the body's immune system is not a function of antibodies. It's a function of many, many things. But there are fundamental principles that I can teach people in about three hours. That's the gift that I have you to do offer. This through your, you do this on your website, you have courses, that what we've done is we built more than just a course. We built a platform. So, you know, if you look at the MIT symbol, the, the, the original symbol is a pretty cool symbol. It's a symbol of a scholar reading a book, right? And then there's a symbol of a blacksmith with an an anvil. It's two people. The education comes from two aspects, actually three things. One is understanding knowledge. So that's one thing we do on the platform. Second, we give people activities that can, they can do in their local community so they can take these concepts and practice them, okay, in their local communities. And this cannot work unless they build community. So we've created an infrastructure. You know, I used to run one of the biggest data centers in the world. That data center, we've contributed. So in that data center, people have the equivalent of a social media portal. They have the equivalent of being able to interact, independent of big tech. So we've given them three important tools like the you know, the, the trishula, right? The trident. One is education, one is community, and one is the ability to activate themselves. So it's communicate, educate, and activate. You got to do all three. So that is real consciousness. So what I've done is, because when we ran our Senate campaign, our slogan was truth, freedom, and help. When it ended, everyone said, Shiva, we want to help you. What can we do? And I said, the way you can help you is if you want to contribute to what we're doing, because we're building our own platform, Patrick, it's independent of big tech, it's in our own data center, and we don't we don't really care to go build something like the equipment. Right now you see the left and the right building their own social media portals. That's not gonna solve it. That's just gonna create two camps again. What we want to do is to build an environment. It's the same thing, isn't it? Just yeah. same thing. The same thing like, you know, uh, the uh, Liddell and all. Let me, let me ask you, uh, I've, I've been wanting to ask you about India. So you and I have talked about it, and our and our people and our listeners and you and, I, and understand about meditation, contemplation, and how it works. Um, and 
the idea, what has happened in India over many years of the Hindu, this idea of just, is it just that they, they were taught to just clear the mind to become, as you say, sitting under the yum yum tree and they have, you know, they're all relaxed and that was it. And then the whole, then they just, their whole world explodes because they don't do anything. Is that what happened to India? Why they have so much poverty uh, and you know what I'm asking? Uh, yeah, well, let me tell you what happened in India. What went wrong? What went wrong with their spirituality that they they don't have enough juice to get up and do something to to get this country get their get their whole culture going again and all the poverty and terrible things going on there. Well, the condition of India is because so one of the things we teach in our course first is the principles of systems, right? The foundational like root. Then there's three important principles. One is the intersection of truth, freedom, and health. The second one I talked about why we need to build a bottoms-up movement. But the most powerful thing that will answer your question is called the not-so-obvious establishment. Okay, I'll repeat that again. The not-so-obvious establishment, Patrick. The establishment is very clever. They have the obvious establishment, right? The apparent face of evil or darkness, okay? But it, that's, that's easy the Hillary Clintons, the McConnells and all that. Sure. The not so obvious, the, yeah. the not so obvious establishment is the harder one because everyone thinks, Oh, Trump is a great guy. Oh, he talked, you know, lock her up or Bernie Sanders on the left and the right or Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Okay. Or the Kennedys, the not so obvious establishment is what a lot of the new age people or a lot of working people, the establishment takes working people, and it gives them the fake heroes. So in India, the fake hero was Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi was yeah. a complete, uh, he's like the godfather of the not so obvious establishment. Um, one of the important things you need to understand is that if you really wanna talk about Indian history, you have to go back to around the eighth century. In the eighth century, some of the, you know, when the caste system was really strong in India, the caste system, by the way, to anyone listening, is basically a, uh, a form of racism on steroids. That means if you grow up in this, if your father was a carpenter, you're expected to be a carpenter by law. If, you, if yeah. your mother was a, if your father was a coconut picker, you're supposed to be a coconut picker by law. They, they had them in particular castes, okay? And in the eighth century, the Indian caste system um, went through a very interesting, very similar to the Protestant Reformation, an interesting question rose up. The religious spiritual leaders of the time said, oh, if there's equality in heaven, why isn't there equality on earth? Very interesting question. So that was called the Sankaracharya movement starting in, in the eighth century. And by the 15th century, that movement had grown to the concept of the, a bhakti yoga, B-H-A-K-T-I, which means yoga of devotion. And there's various forms of yoga, yoga, by the way. Yeah, yeah hatha well, yoga, karma well, yoga, yeah. you know, I mean, you can, there's about many different forms of yoga. Bhakti yoga said your direct connection to your creator and there should be none of this caste system. So by the 16th century in India, the Indian caste system was starting to decay. Why is this important? And most Indians don't even know this because most Indians don't study their own history. But by the 16th centuries when the Dutch, right? And the, and the Portuguese and the British and uh, everyone was coming to India, right? Because they had found the trading routes to India and it was an opportunity for them to trade with India. And India was like magnificent, right? Massive amounts of wealth. So at that 
period was when the caste system was decaying and India had an emerging entrepreneurial early capitalism like everywhere. So all these people came to trade with the emergent um, traders that were emerging in India, the merchant class. Now, in 1757, when the Battle of Plassey took place and the British actually went from being a trading partner to saying, wait a minute, why are we trading with these Indian guys? Let's just go strike deals with the kings of India and eliminate the middlemen and we'll just occupy India. We'll just take over India. And that's what the Battle of Plassey was in West in Bengal. So the British went from a trading force to an occupying force and then to an invasionary force. And when that happened in India, you know what the British did? They didn't impose, they didn't give, they didn't try to impose British law in India. Very, very important point. What they did was they went imposed pre-8th century draconian Brahmanical old caste law in India. Okay? Because they knew Indians would accept Indian law versus British law. But they went and got the mo they basically set the clock of India back by seven centuries or for ten centuries. And they went and recodified Indian law to be this the old caste system. So the British needed the caste system in India. So during 1757, all the way up to the 1900s, the British rebuilt the caste system in India. They found Brahmanical priests and they said, okay, these sets of Indians are higher than these sets of Indians. They reinstantiated the caste system. So by the 1920s, India, the British had actually created a whole bunch of elite Indians who could control India without their need. Indians wanted a good revolution in India in 1920s, a good revolution like America had, bloody or otherwise, nonviolent or violent. It was up to them. So the British parachuted with the Indian elites, this guy called Gandhi, who was also a racist and a casteist, you know, put him in all this garb and made him talk some spiritual stuff, right? So everyone was fooled thinking this guy was some spiritual being, changed his name to Mahatma, which means a great one. It's all branding. Yes. Like Martin Luther King's name is not Martin Luther King. Most people should know that, right? That was a name change too, okay? I didn't know that. Yeah, know yeah, that. yeah, it's all marketing. You know, and we'll talk about that. But Gandhi was imposed on the people of India to complete. He's a not so obvious establishment. The British weren't able to impose their will directly, the obvious establishment. So they brought in this other guy, a brown skinned guy, had him speak all this, whatever, some good stuff, some bad stuff, you know, whatever it was, and forced him on the Indian people. And what did Gandhi actually do in those 20 years since he arrived in India? What he fundamentally did was he made sure an Indian revolution never took place, made it sort of in vogue to say, oh, yeah, it's good to get your head beaten up. OK, as though that was some spiritual thing, which is complete nonsense. OK, to not fight back. To not fight yeah, back. it's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. OK. <laughs> oh, yeah. The British can break your head, but don't you go touch them. OK, don't you fight back, which is a natural instinct of everything in the universe. OK, even Christ took a whip and whipped those guys in the temple, right? So this guy was a complete right. nut job, okay? But he was promoted as India's great leader. And what happened in 1947 was India did not get, it wasn't the Declaration of Indian Independence, it's called the Transfer of Power, okay? That's what the document's called, go look it up. Everyone should go look it up. Transfer of Power. Yeah, it's called That's the Transfer of Power from the white men with crowns to brown men with white hats, all right? Hmm. So what happened was it's the not so obvious establishment and America has been suffering from the not so obvious establishment 
the institutionalized not so obvious establishment in the United States is the Kennedys. Every six months, there's some other pictures they'll put out about the Kennedys, how John Kennedy was shot, oh my God, the Camelot, blah, blah, blah. We are supposed to love the freaking Kennedys. We're basically drug addicts and dealers and booze dealers, right? And John Kennedy's the one who created the National Vaccination Act. His brother is the one who created the National Vaccine Injury Program, absolving pharma companies. And the other guy, Robert Kennedy, former heroin addict, whatever he was, he goes around trying to convince people that he's fighting for them when he in fact endorsed Hillary Clinton three times. All right, so that's the not so obvious establishment. And this takes a wisdom to understand this because without this wise understanding of being able to see clearly the not so obvious establishment, being practical about what's happening now, and that understanding can only come with system science because you can apply system science to politics, you will see that the real disturbance to any intelligent system, there's always disturbances. In politics, it's a not so obvious establishment. I had a lot of my very, very naive friends, you know, in 2016 who, were, who voted for Bernie. Oh, Bernie's the revolutionary, he's gonna fight. I said, Bernie's gonna sell you out. He's gonna endorse Hillary. No, 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 Bernie will never do that. He won't, he's a fighter. That's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. So Dr. Shiva, what do you make of this, uh, this whole Agenda 21, Klaus Schwab, and, uh, uh, the World Economic Forum, the, you know, the big boys, the old money people that uh, in ostensibly are running the world and controlling Biden and all that. Are these the not so? No, they're the, they're, uh, they're the, they are, are no, they, are they still? No. So, so the, these, the, the simple way these people fit into, to it all. Well, so we want to get away from this concept of like, there's like one person behind a curtain doing all this. Okay. Sure, so we need to take away, we need to see this as more of a swarm of birds, okay? There's an implicit understanding, Patrick, okay? You know, the birds, if you see the swarm, they just move, right? They're, they're right. a class, they're a community that knows how to move. It's like you belong to a club, let's say, and one person is not behaving yes, right, everyone sort of throws them out of the club, okay? So it's a club, okay? Left and right, it's not Biden is in the club, Biden's in the club, Trump's in the club, they may have their arguments. They say, okay, the left needs Trump as much as the right needs Bernie. I'll repeat that again to keep the theater going. So Bernie will once in a while bark at, at Biden, right? To act as though he's some opposition. Trump will bark at McConnell now, right? Meanwhile, they're all getting money from their consumer base to support their super PACs or their PACs. That's what yes, they sir. do. So we need to understand there is no like one guy behind a curtain, okay? It's a class of people and they're chasing one thing, the almighty dollar. You have to follow the money. In every one of these things, I frankly am just like tired of people. I get all these emails. Well, did you see this transhuman thing, these bots and all? Yeah, my aliens from in the center of Mars are controlling this. It's like nonsense because it absolves the fact that there's people right in front of you who are exploiting you, okay? It like puts the problem over there so you can then talk about nonsense over there and not deal with the here and now. This is like really yes, stupid. Sir. This is very stupid, okay? It's ignorance. I, I the, the reality is if you look at something like what's going on right now, big pharma companies are losing money like crazy. I said this to a friend because what do you mean big pharma is losing money? Yeah, they're losing money for the last 30 years. They've been tanking. The big pharma model of a pharmaceutical drug, which is a synthetic drug, um, it takes them, 13 years to get that through the drug development process, lots of money and the stuff that comes out, even the FDA is not allowing. So Pfizer by, 
you know, way of example, in 2012, they made $65 billion. Well, in 2020, they only made $40 billion, still a lot, but they lost $25 billion in 10 years. Is that right? Yes. No kidding. No one knows this. I have no idea. This is why no, no they need to move into no the jab. The jab is necessary for them because it's a way to make money. That's all. And you know, now you have Trump promoting it. You have everyone promoting it because everyone's this is their payday. Follow the money. They're in. Follow the money. They're in on that. Yeah. Inter intersect the economic models with the reality models. And then you will find truth. But people have got to get their head out of there, you know what? And recognize it's about misdirecting and distracting working people so we do not build yes, a bottoms up movement. That's what they yes, want. Sir. So people have got to let go of their brainwashing of the Kennedys, the brainwashing of celebrity worship, the brainwashing as though Trump is going to save them. You know, oh, Trump was a construction guy. No, he's not a construction guy. He doesn't care about working people. Because if he did, what he would have done was he would have passed executive orders to make sure nothing got shut down. He didn't do that. He would have fought hard against that. He would have gotten rid of Fauci. None of that happened. Okay. And that left him. I wonder about that. I, how is it possible that he, he allowed this guy to stand up there and say all this stuff? I'm telling you. Trump is yeah, so, you know, so, such a good guy. You know, it's very simple. It had to be something. He's part of the stuff. I'm telling you, Patrick, that's why you need to, you need to take the truth, freedom and health warrior training course. If there's one thing you do in your life, you should do that because without, and everyone listening should do this. Because without this political understanding, you will always be lost. I have a, can I play a video for you here? Whatever you want to do. Let me play a video and then I got to wrap it up. But this video will help you. I'll play it over. I think I can play it here. Yeah, let me play it over here. Um, and like, I can give you full screen if that helps. Let me see here. Hold on. Yeah, uh, let, yeah no, it's okay. I can, my, let me play it over here. You? Hold on. It's okay. So everyone listening out there, I'm going to play you our video because, and some of you have seen it, it's great, but it's very important that people understand that without this fundamental understanding of political theory, without this fundamental understanding of why we need to build a movement, people are going to be stuck. So one second, Patrick, I'm going to bring this up here. I've got you full screen if that helps, Doc. Our country. One second. Hold on one second. Taken over from within. How long? And the end goal is. Yeah, just, yeah, hold, on. hold on one second. Hold on one second. Hold on. Hold on one second. All right. I'm going to. We're with uh, Dr. Shiva. This is OneRadioNetwork.com. April 27th. We're live here. Uh, how long is the video? It's about three minutes, I think. It's pretty short. Oh, cool. Okay. Let me play it for you. But it's an sure. important video because it'll summarize pretty much everything. I'm going to. Plenty of time. I'm going to bring it up here for you. Okay. Sure. So I can share, right? So, sure. You do whatever you want, as long I can't. I can't control your screen, but you anything on your but, screen. But, but you can see works. my screen, right? Yes. So I see Google. Now. So everyone out there listening, you want to go to vashiva.com/slash/join, and you want to become a truth, freedom, right. and health warrior. Don't do it for me. Do it for you. And I wouldn't be this emphatic unless I really sort of knew what the medicine was that's needed for the day. Okay, the medicine of our hour right now. Patrick, I think, hold on. I'm going to see if I can sync these both at the same time. One second. Can you see my screen? I can see it. I see a, a freedom. It says freedom. Truth, freedom, and health. Truth, right? health, freedom. Yep. Small. Yeah, so one second. I'm going to see if I can do this here. 
I have to click it at the same time. One second. One second. So, okay, I'm going to play it. One, hold on. Let's see if I can do this at the same time. Here we go. We have allowed our country to we be taken over from within. And the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you. Deep down inside them. That you don't deserve the freedom you have. That you don't deserve. They don't. This reality is what people need they to wake up this to. Reality and we is need to all unite people. working people. There's only one movement that can do that. And that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom, and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four-year-old kid, studying revolutionary movements, left-wing, right-wing. There's a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. You build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom, and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media. We need leaders, but they, they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. We wow. got to train people. First with understanding what a system is. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, right? Talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas, hypothesis into truth which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up, working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people, Dave, to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, forget celebrities. You've got to learn politics, and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is a not so obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is a not so obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you on the left and the right. The Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you. The Tucker Carlson's. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment. Without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're gonna follow on the, the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're gonna follow you know, some right wing talk show host. They're not gonna lead us to liberation, it's us. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own quote unquote people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts 
I've built into a curriculum. People can go to vashiva.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics and I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people. Two years of MIT control systems, I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it, anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I gotta build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute, and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, be, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaigns expanded to the movement for truth, freedom, and health, and they can find it on V as in Victor A. Shiva, vashiva.com, so people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, health leader, I offer a full scholarship there. But we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to VA Shiva, Victory America Shiva, VAShiva.com. All right, I hope that was helpful for you. Hello? Are you here? Hello, hello. Okay, let me stop sharing here. Okay, so um, I'm, I'm doing an interview. Patrick, are you there? Patrick, are you back? We lost Patrick. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so that video pretty much says it all. So people go to vashiva.com slash join. So what we've done is I've taken my understanding of Eastern and Western medicine, engineering systems theory, my love of discerning politics and, and my access to technology and infrastructure. And we've created basically a technology. It's, it's a solution, but it, it, it is focused on people recognizing that they have to get educated. Nothing is gonna get changed. You have all these people running around thinking they know how to build a movement. They use the word movement and grassroots and all these words. It's like people running around before we figured out how to fly an airplane and said, oh yeah, I, I know how to fly and I know, to, well, you're all crashing. You're all crashing and burning. And then someone figured out Bernoulli's principle. When we figured out Bernoulli's principle, then we knew that you know wind flow created a normal force. And then you could use that to design airplanes. But until you understood Bernoulli's principles, everyone was just falling off you know, though, you know, building wacky stuff and is falling off, right? It was until Maxwell's equations came out, we didn't really know how to build transformers and motors and all those kinds of things, right? Faraday's laws. Well, I've created the similar laws with all humility principles to understanding how you build a political movement. There are fundamental laws and there are principles. So if you want to be a serious electrician, you got to go get training. If you want to be a, you, uh, you know, an electrician or an engineer, you know, mothers used to get training from their mothers, right? On culture. So there is a fundamental way, there is a set of principles. So our goals over the next, you know, year is to educate around 50,000 people. You create the wave now. Now what those people decide to do, I'm not gonna dictate. That's not my job. My job is to so be do whatever they whatever they love to do whatever they're right, but with the edu but but with, right. at least they have the, they're armed with the right education. They're not going to make stupid yes, mistakes. Sir. Oh, I'm going to follow. You know, <laughs> a lot of people say, "Well, let me enter the Democratic Party. And I'm going to work my way through." And I think I no, you're not. That's one of the things. It's like you're going into garbage, and you think you're going to go do laundry on garbage. No, it's filth. 
right? When you open up garbage, what do you get? It just smells more. Okay. So you don't, you don't get anything by going through dirty laundry. You just start, it just smells. So that's, so they're fundamental principles we want to teach people. Anyway, Patrick, I got to so get going. You think there's some, okay, well, one real quick thing yeah. before we go. You really, you obviously think there's some real possibilities for, for big changes uh, if you really, you know, begin to think critically like you're teaching people, even with the massive control of the media that there is. It, it, it's still We don't care about the media. We, I don't, you know, look, we don't, we don't, why do we care about the media? This is like going to your oppressor and saying, please cover me. It's like nonsense. People uh -huh. have got it all wrong. Right. They build a movement. Oh, Tucker won't put me on. I'm not on his show. Right. It's like, are you an idiot? Yes, like you don't get it. Like they're the establishment. They control everything. Why do you have all this naivete to think that? Yes, that's what they do. The only way out is and, and we incur is the movement that we're creating. It is based on science. It is based on building community and it is based on activating people, teaching people. Nothing happens in the world spontaneously. So all these Hollywood movies they create, right? It's always like yes, something just happened. Like they forget the hard work someone had to do to get to that point, okay? All of that is forgotten. It took a lot of effort for me to create the first email system. I had to work my butt off, okay? And I did it in Newark, New Jersey. It takes a lot to get a PhD, okay? 50% of the people make it through the program. You have to work your butt off, okay? It takes a lot to be an Olympic athlete, okay? You may like them or not. It takes a lot to build a movement. It doesn't just happen. And what's happened over the last 50 years is we have put some noggin into people's head that everyone should get trophies, that it doesn't matter. We've forgotten the sense of skill. I mean, I learned how to landscape. I learned how to paint. I learned how to program as a kid. I was taught by immigrant painters how to paint. These were guys from Yugoslavia. I mean, they used to taught me how to cut a line. There is a skill to doing stuff in life. There is a skill to building yes. a movement. And we're training a, a bunch of millennials to think like, oh, you just like, just go do stuff and the answer doesn't matter. No, it does matter. Skill does matter. And, yes, and when you lose respect for people with skill, you basically lose everything because you forget the concept of knowledge, education, hard work, what it takes. So people are like wallowing, saying, oh, well, look how bad. Well, the reason it's this way is because you allowed it to occur, because you gave rights to people who are a bunch of dopes. What was Jared Kushner, and I keep asking this, Ivanka Trump doing in the White House? Were they even qualified? What, what was Hunter, you know, I mean, just think about the way the elites operate, left and right. Yeah, Chelsea Clinton yeah. is now on the board of Partners Healthcare. She got a professorship at Columbia. Come on. This is like a caste system. People should be really angry about this kind of stuff. And people should get really angry. But if you remove, if you destroy people's health, if you take away people's jing in their body, right? They forget what it means to be a warrior. They think Gandhi is some warrior, Martin Luther King. No, Martin Luther King was installed by the Kennedys, okay? To ensure that the civil rights movement never addressed the real issues. And that understanding can only come when you take a systems approach. Period. So what I want to leave everyone with is here's the here's everything in a nutshell. We need to go beyond left and right. We need to get, go beyond black and white. Working people must unite for truth, freedom and health. And the way to get there is you have to get educated or you will be enslaved. Now, what I've done, my 50 year journey has 
enable me to create that education, that platform. Now, if people want to do that, that's up to them. But I don't, Frank, I have very little patience for people who just want to talk about nonsense. We need to get about 50,000 people trained. And that's the way we move this world forward. And, you know, or we will head into real darkness. We're already heading into fascism, if not already there. Yes. And it doesn't mean that things just get better. There's one idea, erroneous idea people have. Oh, you oppress people enough and then people rise up. No, that's not true. Oppression leads to greater oppression, greater darkness and greater oppression and greater darkness. You have to deliberately rise up out of that. Anyway, Patrick, it was great. I, I, I know you have to go. Yeah. Thank you. It was an honor to have you on. So <coughs> take care of yourself. You're welcome. I yeah. appreciate it. Thank Bye -bye. you. Be well. Bye-bye. Yeah. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. All right, everyone. That was uh, uh, Patrick. I did a interview with him. But I want to encourage everyone to recognize, you know, I'm going to keep, you know, drum beating this all the way through. It's like a good teacher um, who keeps going after the fundamentals, you know, A, B, C, you know, one plus one. The arithmetic here is we need to build a bottoms up movement. The arithmetic here, it has to be focused on working people uniting. Stop following any of these nonsense parties. Do not be anything associated with the left or the right or anything that feeds back into the Republican or Democratic Party. They are not having anything to do with truth, freedom, and health. They're about power, profit, and control, period. So go online, you know, join me Monday evenings, and you can go see all the gifts that you get when you support this movement, but you're supporting you. Do not do this for me. Do not do this for anyone else. Do it for you so you raise your consciousness and you understand the science of systems. Go to vashiva.com slash join. Thank you, everyone. Be well. Thank you, everyone, on Instagram. Be well, everyone.